This is the Jamal Show. Down in Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. It's a beautiful day here in Connecticut, and I hope that you are happy to be alive along with me. So, if you feel like you're at the end of your rope, please tie a knot right there and hang out with us for a little while. Hopefully, together, we can find those things that are worth living for. Now, I was thinking about things to live for the other day, or better said, I was thinking about how we live as Americans day to day. Many times, we have heard the saying, do the right thing. But how do we know what the right thing is? What do we rely on as individuals to make quick decisions? What is our moral code as individuals? I was thinking about this during the aftermath of the Texas mall shooting a few weeks ago. I know you've probably forgotten about it because it happened so much, but let's, let's go back into it for a quick minute. You know it's a typical story these days. A right-wing loser spends too much time on Gab or True Social and can't get a love interest, so he decides to kill innocent people. And this guy killed eight people, and I think there were, three of them were kids. Seven people were wounded. But my point is this. During that shooting, there were several people who ran to help the dead and injured. This is a very courageous thing to do when someone's shooting an assault rifle at you. In the aftermath of the shooting, CNN interviewed one of the first people on the scene, and this guy talked about making some very hard decisions very fast. And he didn't have any training on how to rescue people who might have been shot to death and taken to pieces by an assault rifle. But he did a good job. And to be honest with you, I want to start out with this clip. I really want to start out with this clip that I heard on CNN. I find it very moving, and I apply it to, to, to life in general. Okay, so listen to this. When I finally came upon the, uh, the area there in front of H&M where uh, a good deal of the, uh, the carnage uh, occurred, I'd already had one female that was uh, deceased, but when I approached... Uh, to uh, the, the one female victim that was on the ground. Um, you know, her request was for me to uh, work on her, uh, her daughter. Uh, the chest compressions is when I noticed just the, the massive amount of blood loss that was coming out from behind her against the pavement. And I'd realized at that point that she was deceased and uh, there was nothing that I could do. Um, I turned around to again try to focus on the mother. She kept asking me repeatedly, you know, was her daughter okay? Was her daughter dead? And eventually I realized that I just couldn't, I couldn't put it off. She was going to continue and I needed her to focus elsewhere. And so I then had to tell her that her, uh, her daughter had passed and, but that her other daughter was still there with us and her husband was there. And that's where I wanted her to focus. I wanted her to keep her strength to survive and to stay with me, you know, for her, her husband and her daughter that were still that were still there. How do you even tell a mother that her child is dead? Unfortunately, it's one of these things that we that you have to do. You have to to center yourself and realize that um, you know there there are no good options in this scenario at all. So you have to try to find the best justification for somebody to hold on the best reason for them to continue despite the unbelievable pain of loss and of course plain pain all right so did you hear that those people were truly in a dire situation after a madman shot an assault rifle through their faces and this first responder walks up to help and what are his values well number one 
His goal was to try to save lives. I assume that the gunman had left the scene, and one of the things this first responder had to do to accomplish the goal of saving lives was give some of these people a reason to live. That's right. He had to give these people a reason to live first. He had to motivate some of them to focus on those things that are worth living for. Incidentally, that's part of the purpose of this show. But I digress. I see eye to eye with this guy is what I'm saying. You may not be attacked by an assault rifle today, but I would argue that you have to remember your reasons for living anyway, because the very basic challenges that come with living can help you forget why you are living. But how do we live? How do we know that we are doing things the right way? How do we know that we are doing things right in life? Clearly not everybody had the perspective of this first responder in the aftermath of the Texas mall shooting. Just down the way a little bit in the parking lot, there were children who were running from the gunmen while separated from their parents. Their cars were on the other side of the lot. So some of the children tried to jump in the cars of strangers in order to get away from the gunmen. Disappointingly, many of those children were turned away from the cars. What I'm saying is that there were people who were driving away who didn't bother to let a child in the car with them safely to help the child flee from a madman with an assault rifle. That's amazing to me. The idea that a person won't open their door to save a child's life. That can't possibly be the right thing to do, can it? But we've seen this before, haven't we? In the Bronx a few years ago, I'll never forget Junior Guzman, a 15-year-old who was hacked to death with a machete in 2018. The 5th anniversary of his death is coming up on June 20th, in fact. And it was caught on film how Junior Guzman ran into a store for safety, only for the store clerk to kick him out only to let Junior be killed by a gang. Why didn't the store owner just lock the door and call the police to protect this child? That certainly would have been the right thing to do. Some people find the right thing to do by way of religion. That's fine by me, but sometimes every now and then religion can be corrupted by men. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Jim Jones or Bishop Eddie Long. On the other hand, a lot of people don't care about the right thing to do. This is the equivalent of having no moral compass or foundation. These people don't even feel obligated to keep their word. You can't trust a person with no moral compass. They only care about the right thing to do by them. I try to avoid these people who don't care about the right thing to do. Well, that's the question. Is, is a moral compass individual or universal? What do you think? Well, I think people get it from different places. Uh, I want to introduce Nicole, but I'll be giving her an introduction soon. you have something to say? Yeah, well, I think it also it also makes the, you know, laws and, you know, the way society deals with things makes it difficult for people to make those decisions, right? If, if yes, it would have been right, right? If, if a kid is coming and they're looking at your car and you, they need help, that's the right thing to do. Some people take a step back and ask themselves, if I let this kid in my car, what, right, what is what's going right, to happen to me? Right, what's going to be the repercussions <laughs> that's going to happen to me? Or if I let this kid in my car, am I going to be a target of this gunman? So, you know, it, it makes it really difficult. To I do understand fear. I do understand fear. I'm just saying, like, if you're already in a car that's speeding away and a kid's, like, trying to open it, you don't lock the doors, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't lock the doors. And for the people who did, I wonder, I really wonder what they would have thought if that was their child. They would have been like, please open the door for my child. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. For some folks, the right thing to do depends on who are they doing it. <laughs> With four or two, if you're a certain race or nationality, they will do the right thing for you. Doing the right thing for you means that they won't consider separating you from your children as a result of migration. But if you are one of the other races or nationalities, you may get a guilty verdict or a harsher prison sentence. As for me, 
the right thing is a pragmatic decision that looks to accomplish the greater good. In finance, they call that a net positive. First, I ask myself if there's anything I can do in a given situation, which is what I would have asked if I was, if I was one of those people in the car. Then I act, but I'm not the only one, clearly. Moving on to someone who did do the right thing by, overcom- by overcoming adversity. Let me give a shout-out to Miss Tina Turner. Yes, please. Who many are now calling the queen of rock. Yes. She has now left the building, if you didn't know. And it's easy to remember her for just her music. After all, that's what she was known for. A legacy. But even more important than her music to me, Tina was a real-life hero to those facing adversity. She's a great example of what can happen if you can muster enough courage in the face of oppression. So may she rest in peace. And let me add, though he, he's not a celebrity, I need to send a shout-out to my good friend Faustino Colon. Faustino has been a listener to the Jamal Show for a few years now, I think. Over the past year, I've had the pleasure to get to know Faustino and his family, and I hear he hasn't been feeling well lately. So you know what that means, right? It means that the right thing to do for me is to let Faustino Colon know that he is not alone. And that I'm here for him. He was actually the first caller we ever had to the yeah. show. Hey, Jamal, you know, but back to the Tina Turner thing real quick. What I find interesting is that she was another one of the black Americans that had to leave America to find herself. Oh, that's a great point. You know, that's a I great mean, point. Um, way back when, I mean, James Baldwin was a great, great example. And, and uh, Josephine Baker. I mean, and it's not just black. Johnny Depp. I mean, Johnny if you want to, if you want to go into the reasons why people live in America, U.S. citizenship. And and I have to commend um, Miss Turner because Switzerland is known as one of the happiest places in the world, actually. Yeah. yeah. And one of the um, um, wealthy. I guess it has the highest standard of living for poor people. Yeah. So right. I was um I was in Harlem uh, a few years back and I had some guys from Switzerland visit me because of some yeah. of the stuff I did in music a long time ago, yeah. and. They couldn't believe how small my apartment was. <laughs> they couldn't. Believe, they, they they didn't talk about any of the stuff that we they come to work on. They was like, "How do you live here?" Uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And they told me that if you're on welfare in Switzerland, they give you a house. I understand. You get you have a right to a house if you're on welfare. Yeah. In Switzerland, so nobody has a small apartment like mine. Even the poor people, they're like, "Huh." I won't go to America. Mm-hmm. You need to come to Switzerland. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Switzerland. The only thing about Switzerland is everyone kind of looks alike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to go there and count fingers and toes. And here's another part. <laughs> here's another part. Most people don't know. Switzerland is one of the most armed countries. Um, Swiss, um, Swiss people are obligated to to serve. Right, right. They have and so they're they all trained on. Right. They're all trained on guns. Right. And so as a result, Switzerland has one of the highest per capita gun ownership ratios. In the world, it's but right, they don't it's actually, have the shootings we have. No, no, they're saying they're saying. These, <laughs> come on, they, these go ahead. these are Swiss right, people sorry, we're talking about. Go yeah, go go. So, Faustino, you have my number. Speaking of not doing well, shout out to Doctor Alfonso Max, good friend. Yeah, hello. And lead oath keeper Stuart Rhodes. Have you said hi to your friend Stuart in a while? No. He's going away. Oh, he's going away. Stuart Rhodes was just sentenced to serve 18 years in federal prison for doing something a black man could never do without being shot. That is leading the January 6th insurrection. Oh, no. And no. by the way, Mr. Rhodes just got into court the other day and said things that a black man would never say in front of a judge. He said two things that a black person would never say in front of a judge, in fact. First, he compared himself to Nelson Mandela. I'll give you time to insert your own joke there on that one. I can't be bothered with the small stuff. Then, Stuart Rhodes said that his only regret on January 6th was that he didn't carry a gun. Uh. Uh, That's what he said to the judge. To the judge. This, this is the guy that decides your sentence. Uh, He's like, we, 
out of his head, he comes up with how much time that you have to do. about not messing with judges. Right, with right, right, right. Here. I mean, we said don't mess with judges. So after the trial, he stands up and tells the judge, well, I, I mean, what do you want me to do? I should have had a gun. Hey. I'll do it again. So the judge, uh, that answers why Stuart Rhodes got the heaviest sentence out of everybody who participated in that years, riot. right? He's stupid. He basically told the judge that he would do the exact same thing all over again. But it still doesn't explain why his lawyer is saying that they will appeal the sentence. Yes, he got 18 years, which is more time than I want to do. Why even bother appealing when Stuart Rhodes himself says he is a dangerous man? He told the judge that. Is he expecting that anyone will let him out? I got to tell you, if these people are the head of the white supremacist movement in America, then the future looks bright for black people. <clears throat> it really does. Speaking of white supremacy, shout out to Donald Trump on this fine day. It seems strange that Stuart Rhodes would get 18 years for doing something stupid that Donald Trump told him to do while Trump walks free. Apparently, Trump is about to be indicted again for something else he's guilty of. This time it's for taking classified documents home and showing them off to his friends. And you know what? I don't know how he beats this case because he runs around admitting guilt all over the place. In fact, let me see if I can uh, get a clip of him just uh, three weeks ago. Is this him? No, that's not it. This one wants to be him. My fault, y'all. Sorry. I should wake up earlier. Target has been taken. That's Tiger. We'll talk about that later. Did I even get that? When I finally came up. Let's see if I even got that. Well, that's okay. Why you, why you what look, are you about to say, Mac? Well, while you look for it, I want to uh, do a shout-out to a um, an inmate that uh, just got his uh, uh, Ph.D. from Wesleyan in philosophy. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> Hard to do. Hard to do. What's his name? I forget. Okay. Well, I don't have the clip, but if you're really tired of hearing how Donald Trump is going to take a trip up north on a long bus, if you're really tired of hearing about Donald Trump's indictments, I have two things to tell you. Number one, nice to meet you, Mr. Trump. And number two, join the club. My message to prosecutors is don't talk about it, be about it. Because I, for one, am tired of people waiting for Donald Trump to die before they say, oh, man, we were just about to put that dude in jail. Oh, his name was David Haywood. Sorry. Hi, David Haywood. Thank Congratulations you, David. Congratulations, David. Again, I say don't talk about it, be about it. And with that, I think it's time to do the official opening of the show. Welcome to Saturday, my friends, the very next day of your life. This is the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name, of course, is Jamal. I'm an attorney and an information junkie from Harlem, and I'm passing the fruits of my illness on to you. There is no vaccine for it. As for me, I'm your listener guide, mostly along for the ride, coming through the Hartford studios of WKND, and I'm doing that live, not for just a season, but for a reason. On this day, the revolution will be televised live on Facebook, where most revolutions go to die, minds go to live. Go, go to the Jamal Show Facebook page now, and your intelligence will improve, and then I will move on. Gotta say hello to the Archbishop. How you doing, man? From Mac Urban Talk Radio. Did hey, I get that right? Hey, I got hey, that right this hey, time. Hey. He is producing this show. You gotta go through him to get to me. Dr. Alfonso Mack is also here in the studio. I'm here. I'm Congratulations here. for your first week on Viagra. <laughs> Moving on. It's been like a month since we last heard this broadcast. The last time we, we talked was three weeks ago. The theme was health. Right after we had that, I had to skip a week because, ironically, I got sick. So come to your own conclusions about my credibility. Today, I wanted to focus on the theme of doing the right thing. But how will I accomplish that? Well, just like I always do it, by scheming and planning on how to get you all more intelligent and it isn't easy with Governor Ron DeSantis banning all the books in Florida that are better than his, which is basically all of them. I love my friends in Florida, but I'm hoping they will visit me this year. 
Now, if you came late to the party, I would remind you that this broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network that ever existed. Of course, that makes me a very handsome liar, but it's a lie that we can all make true with your help. So, please share the gift of the Jamal Show with a loved one, and I promise you more intelligence instead of a pair wait, of socks wait, 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 for wait, Christmas. Wait. You introduced Bishop, introduced me. We're getting to the most important person in a second. Everyone knows who I am. Um, <laughs> lastly, please know that my views do not represent the views of this station, because the owner said, I better say that every time I get in front of the microphone. Wouldn't you say the same thing if you were in his shoes? For the record, my son absolutely hates when I say things like that, but uh, I just did. Now, remember, my friends, you can call and join this verbal protest at any time, but please do the right thing if you do call and bring the truth, or else my producer will tell you that you've called the wrong number. For your information, that number is 860-218-2173. Again, 860-218-2173. Call in if you have the courage. Also, that number, if you need a lawyer who doesn't suck, that would be me. The email address to the show is jamalshowradio at gmail.com, jamalshowradio at gmail.com. I know you want a break. I can see it in your tired eyes, and I'm going to give it to you with some independent music because I'm a nice guy. You're welcome. The song is called I Don't Know. It's new from our good friend, Mexico Cortez, the greatest rapper in Africa. You're with the Jamal Show where we brand a certain type of intelligence. Meet me on the other side of God. My timing, talk about lightning. Her friends wanna just go mining. Can you be my future wifey? She ballin', they say it's so hard to get by her. I'm calling, she's smiling, regardless. She ballin', they say it's so hard to get by her. I'm calling, she's smiling, regardless. Kind, yeah, nobody equal. Your style and grace is what I be into. Nobody want a problem with you. Oh, there she goes. There she goes. I don't know how to play.
you know, you really have to believe in what you're doing in life in order to better get through it. That's really the message of this show. That's what this show is all about. And we hope you believe in the message as much as we do, which is why we're hoping that you'll take this opportunity to support us through coffee.com. That's K-O-F-I.com backslash The Jamal Show. Please join us there. Consider buying us a coffee. We need the caffeine to keep this show running and to keep telling the truth, quite honestly. So why don't you join us, and we'll give you a nice shout-out on the next broadcast. Join us at coffee.com. That's K-O-F-I.com backslash The Jamal Show. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Thank you very much. We're on this station, too. Hello again, my friends. That song is called I Don't Know. It's by a man called Mex Cortez, and he calls himself the greatest rapper in Africa. It's my first time playing that song, and you can find it wherever you stream your music, Spotify, Amazon Music, etc. Check him out, and remember you heard him first on the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent. Again, if you want to call in to protest, the number is 860-218-2173. Moving on, it's most definitely a pleasure to have you back with us on the Jamal Show on WKND and on podcast. For this segment, we have Nicole Mayweather Banks joining us. She is a spokeswoman on queer issues, and she's going to help us navigate some of the stories we'll be discussing in this part of the show. So welcome, Nicole, as usual. Thank you, Jamal. Thank you for having me. Right about now, I feel it's time to make what I call a public outcry due to some of the autocratic tendencies in America that I've been seeing of late, particularly from the right, and particularly from Florida, and particularly from Governor Ron DeSantis. My but it's brother. The, it's the right wing My in general. Brother. And I've got to make a public outcry because I don't feel like it's the right thing for America. What I'm seeing, that's Joe, right? What I'm seeing is this tendency to make the government force people under some kind of right wing control. They, they want to control people's values and how they express themselves. We began to see it in the schools of Florida. It began with COVID when parents had extra time on their hands and finally decided to pay some attention to their kids' school materials. Parents soon found one or two books that they felt were too sexualized for kids. Well, okay. First, it was one or two books. Then it was dozens of books about queer people that were deemed too sexualized for the youth. Then the term youth became redefined. It morphed into a high school kid, high school kids who were too young to read books with a gay character in them, even if the kids reading the books were gay themselves. Then there was this turn of attention to how kids may feel about what they read, all of a sudden, parents didn't want their kids reading anything negative about any white person at all for fear that the child would then adopt the, person, the position of the white person in any story and then take on the guilt from that white person's actions. Always looking for reasons to apply hate. So, yes, we actually had laws to make sure white people didn't get their feelings hurt. That, that's something that would have sounded ridiculous to me back in the 90s, but here we are in 2023. And we have laws to make sure that or try to make sure, because how do you gauge if someone's feelings hurt, right? That white people don't get their feelings hurt in Florida. So it feels that any mention of slavery in Florida public schools is now suspect, or was now suspect, even if completely true, which it was. Now, book banning has become even more extreme. Now, any book published by any black person is suspect. I recently discussed the book banning in Florida with a friend of mine who was a conservative, and he was throwing out all these books that he thought I would be disgusted by he was like oh they're being taught how to have sex and be nasty blah 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 and my answer to him was man do you realize the things i was trying to read at 12 years old <laughs> <laughs> it came in the mail once a month 
was, I was, I was looking for the stuff. <laughs> was, the man. The stuff you're trying to hide. I was acting actively looking for the stuff. I, I grew up in New York City where everything is available. Uh, everything. This stuff mm. is readily available online. Quite frankly, I would rather keep the most inappropriate books in the library already open to the worst pages for all kids to look at. I would rather do that than have the government tell the public which books are legal for me to keep in a library. But see, she just put the, you know, said it real, man. They're wasting their time because it's online. Right. The public is the decider here, not the government. If you don't like a book, don't bring it to your house. It's my point. If you don't like abortions, don't have one. <laughs> you hey, should probably not like, have one if you don't like abortions. guy said to me, everyone has the right to go to hell in their own basket. That was the old school way. Now we come to find that some people are offended when a black person simply publishes a book in the public library of, of Florida. Amanda Gorman did that. She read a famous poem at Joe Biden's inauguration. It was a beautiful poem that she wrote herself. The fact that it was Joe Biden's inauguration means the poem was offensive, unoffensive by nature. Because who does Joe Biden offend? <laughs> he's the hey. most milk to He's Miss, Mr. Milk uh, Trump. He still wears aviator glasses and, yeah. like it's the 1920s. <laughs> Apparently, some people do mind that a black person wrote it. Because as you will all soon see, there is nothing to complain about. That beautiful poem was published in a Florida school. And then some parent in Florida complained about it. So then it was pulled off the shelves. Just like that. I said one parent, by the way. One parent complained. Now nobody in the school, probably in the district, can read that book. And just so you have an idea of what the poem is about, I think I actually do have this clip. Nope, that's not it, though. Dumb. <laughs> and yet, the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. How offensive. Oh, Did man. Did you thought about the Slap me in the face. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, does that sound offensive to you? One parent got that book taken off the shelves. One. There are perhaps 10 million parents in the state of Florida, and this one parent is associated with the Proud Boys, by the way. But I'm sure nobody cares about that. Oh, in her complaint, the parent said the book was written by Oprah Winfrey, which is flagrantly wrong, but who cares? She's a MAGA person, right? So they could do that. So there's that. By the way, it's only about 11 parents who were the cause of all book banning at schools in the whole state of Florida. 11 parents are responsible for 60% of the complaints of all book burn, uh, bannings in Florida. I should say book burnings because that's what they really are. But now that isn't enough. Now that isn't enough. I got someone on the line. Let me talk to uh, Joe Duncan. Uh, I want Joe. Joe, are you there? Joe. Hey, what's up, man? Florida, I believe. Hello? And Joe and I were talking the other day. He helps me uh, work for the show sometimes. We were talking about the other, uh, the other day about what he sees going on in Florida. And I really wanted you to call in, Joe, and tell my listeners what you see happening at the libraries and the schools in Florida with the books. This is what happened to the July radio. I'm having trouble connecting with Joe. He probably has a bad connection. But let me move on to something else. There's something bigger happening. Um, that happened this week. Well, let me take this.
time right did you see the story about the 11 year old boy got shot by a cop in in the chest he calls uh, 911 because his mother being abused cop comes to the house uh uh, uh with his gun drawn as they always do you know white cop says uh ain't you in the back of the room whoever's in the back room come out he comes out with his hands up and the cop shoots him in the chest well i mean i mean come on if it was uh White cop killing a black kid. Yeah, then I don't believe it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that can't possibly have happened. You must country. be a defense attorney. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Mac. I simply don't believe you. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Why would the cops? Uh, I have no idea. I have I, no like, idea. Like, why would the cops shoot a black child? He's being ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm going to get to the important stuff. White wingers are going after private business now. Budweiser, Disney, go you name it. It used to be that you can go into a store. And see an item you don't want, and you realize you didn't have to buy it. Right? So you walk past it. Those were the good old days when you walked past items that you didn't want to buy. Now, people, mostly white people. Go ahead. Non-secular. Go ahead. These people think they get to tell stores what they can sell for a profit to other people. Right? They get to tell stores what products to carry and who they can sell to. So it's not the elected government being corrupted here. These right-wingers are bullying private businesses now, private enterprise. This is like me going into a T-shirt store and telling them they can't sell a Boston Red Sox shirt because I don't like that team. But it amazes me that these stores are tolerating this. I mean, that's what amazes me. So first it was Disney, then Budweiser, then it was Target. And before I let Nicole answer on this, I really want to play the clip on this because it's really important that people hear what's going on now. Now, Let me see if I can get this right, though. When I finally came... It's going to be like a, a roulette reel here because uh, we have some problems with te- technical Target difficulties. Target has been taking heat on social media and <clears throat> in its stores over some of its LGBTQ merchandise. Now, just over a week from Pride Month in June, the company is removing certain items and making changes to its LGBTQ merchandise nationwide. Target released a statement that reads in part, Since introducing this year's collection, we've experienced threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. Given these volatile circumstances, we're making adjustments to our plans, including removing items that have been at the center of the most significant confrontational behavior. Target did not specify which items it was removing, but the swimsuits labeled tuck-friendly has garnered a lot of attention, Hmm. with some on social media vowing to boycott the company over its sale of adult swimsuits for trans women who have not had gender-affirming operations. Now, before I bring Joe on, because he did call back, I just want to say, you know, in, in Ikea, they had this flag I didn't like. Uh-huh. Uh, Dr. Mack, I think uh-huh. we should go down there. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, let's go down there. They can't carry right, that right. flag. Can I go? I want to go. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> how dare they right, right. carry a flag that I don't like? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make a YouTube video. We're going to make a series of it. White privilege. We got to take this flag oh, down. Now, I just want to um, hear what, what Joe has to say about Florida, and we're going to go to Nicole. Joe, are you there? Can we get hear you now? Hello? Oh, Joe? Hello? Here you go. Cole, go ahead. Jump in, Nicole. Hello, hey. Can you hear me? It ain't happening. Talk now, Joe. Can you can you hear me? Hello? Don't turn the back when you talk. 
Joe, talk now. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Go. Let him go. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. businesswoman and a therapist that works uh, exclusively with trans and binary individuals, um, there's another role that it takes on for me. One is I'm really disappointed in Target because they have really, really nice, <laughs> they nice have pride. nice pride items. And I was actually there when they were putting them out before they even were getting them out the boxes. I was looking at the stuff that they had. So I was looking forward to going back and purchasing these items from Target. Uh, I have rethought that and I will not be purchasing these items from Target. Um, but, you know, it's so you actually shop for this stuff that they're taking off the... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I look for this time of year so that I can go to Target and purchase there. I have tons of stuff at home that I purchased from Target. Okay. Um, but if we if we take a look at it, right, there we're looking at that Target is, 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 is pretty much... It's around the LGBTQ community, correct? But when we're really looking at what's being targeted... It's more towards the T aspect of it, right? That just kind of falls under that. So we're taking away bathing suits that are tuck-friendly, right? Those are geared towards trans individuals. Um, but also we utilize children in order to um, place fear. Anytime that there's children involved, people just uh, tend to get scared. They lose their mind. Right, right, right. So, But my concern is with Target is if you are saying that you're going to be an ally for the, trans com for the LGBT community and that you're going to stand with us, Right? That doesn't mean just stand with us in the good times. That means stand with us even in the tough times. So to not allow your organization to be bullied right, into making those decisions. Once you give in to that, it's not going to stop. Right? If, you, if people are coming into the store and they are harassing in, um, employees and they are being destructive to the, um, the merchandise, and then you decide to change your policies, then that just gives them the leverage, okay, so we're going to go do something else because then they're going to change the, the policies more, trying to make the business, you know, lose money. Um, That's right. So That's right. So people are threatening and harassing Target staffers. And here's the issue. Instead of calling the police, which is what they would do to me, Target decides to stop selling some of the clothes. I'm always amazed at how store owners hesitate to just... Call the police on white people sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing wrong with calling the police. It doesn't mean they're guilty. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that you're going to get attacked by Proud Boys. But it's okay to call the police on white people, too. That's my theme for today. <laughs> you know? Call the police no matter who is committing the crime. Someone comes into your store who doesn't work there demanding that you change your inventory. I mean, it's, it, it almost sounds ridiculous to even say yeah, you kick know, them out. That's so. Kick them out. Why so, is that hard, Doctor Matt? Why is that hard? Kick them out. I don't get it. If they don't leave, call the police. Instead of doing that, Target made every other retail store into a retail Target that right the right wing wants to victimize with this nonsense. Matt, your answer is. I'm a, I, did I have a hard time with it, man? I, I've lived my life uh, asking and, and and dealing with that question. Um, I mean, I walk into a, a store and I pick up a security guard. Everybody talks about, oh, I can't go in there yeah. because I don't feel secure. Come with me. 
I get yeah, it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I pick up an escort. I might as well pay him. <laughs> right. I might as well pay right. him. Yeah. Come on, man. You know, here, have a soda. Well, how long, how long, Nicole, before people start saying you hire a trans person, we're going to ban you? I went to CVS late last night. There's a trans person working at CVS down in um in uh, Hartford. Okay. Right? Uh, not CVS, excuse me, Walgreens. Yeah. Late night shift. Yeah. Um, How long before people go to that store Discriminated and say, against? Him? I don't want to be served by this person. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, we were... their, their, their goal is to make money, right? So they have an obligation to have, um, you know, incl- uh, in diversity and inclusion and to be a part of some sort of giving back to the community. But their bottom, their, their real goal is to go out and make money. Their goal is not to really stand by a community um, in, in the time that's going to potentially disrupt their income flow. Well, here's the here's even worse one. Um, this happened a few weeks ago at Budweiser. Budweiser committed the incredible sin of trying to sell more beer to other people. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that was you. part of the reason How why they How dare you? And to do that, they thought, hey, you know, we we kind of think that trans people drink beer, too. Do that? I mean, you might know some trans people. <laughs> do, do trans people drink beer? I don't I think know. Which means they, they drink I, money. They, they bring money and they pay for the beer. Budweiser's trying to stay alive as a company. Um, and what does Kid Rock do? But... He defames Budweiser on a video. Yeah. Why? Because they want to sell more beer. And but he, he had to purchase that beer, didn't he? Let's, 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 let's think about this. Let's think about this. He buys their beer. He drinks it. He thinks that he's the only one that should be allowed to buy that beer. He doesn't want trans people buying that beer. He doesn't want them to be marketed to, apparently, because maybe they're not human. No. What, what is the basis upon this belief? Like, I don't want other people to have things, so the store has to stop selling it. Where does that come from? Anybody? Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's just a, meaning other people. I think that it's a target again going towards specifically trans individuals. I think there's a lot that we are seeing these days because of all the legislation that's coming out. You know, there's over 500 pieces of legislation out that target the LGBTQ community, but the majority of majority of them target the trans community specifically. So I feel as though, you know, had that partnership been with someone who identifies from the LGB community, that there would have been a different conversation. I feel as though the, the fact that this individual identified as trans is what really made the, the difference. There are actually a few um, new school hip-hop art- artists that I'd like to eradicate if possible. If, if we could, like, spread this to music. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there's a lot of people that are just like, yo, I don't think anybody should hear this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not only should I not be hearing it, but nobody should be hearing it. Yeah, My well, question is you, this. You, you know, you try spreading it to music, and you're going to have a fight. You know, and, yeah, if yeah. You, and, and, and wait a minute. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but America is built on this way of thinking. I mean, we can I mean the whole of, revolution we can was... We not sex, but go ahead. Well, no, well, the whole revolution was built on uh, American Revolution on the fact that uh, the king wanted to tax our liquor, our whiskey. You know, I mean, that the whiskey rebellion and all the rest. I mean, we said, hey... You know, you touch us in our soft spot, and we're going to fight. It just has to happen. Yeah, but I think think that, you know, what our community needs is we need people to stand next to us who are actually going to fight the fight. We need allies 
But what we really need is active allies, right? We need people who are actually going to go out and actually make a difference. We're gonna, we need people who are willing to protest. Like you, Jamal, right? You're, you're putting me on the show. You're, we're having these conversations. So f- to me, right, you're being an active ally, and I really appreciate that. And you two also, Mr. Mack and Chris. Um, so I really do appreciate that. But we need – people are scared. Even if you are – Good point. You know, pe- people are scared are of repercussions. Ally, right. People are scared to kind of stand out and say, I am with this community because then they could potentially come a target as well. You know, me and my wife was having a conversation <laughs> in regards to, you know, do we put a flag out in the front of our house? What the kind work of flag? that I uh uh rainbow pride, flag. Pride. Right, a pride flag. So the work I do, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm gonna put a flag out. But then I gotta take a step back, right? Is there gonna be some I'm gonna idiot that's gonna drive past my house and target my family. Yeah, so right. I have to think of the safety of my family as well. So we should not have to make that decision, right, based on our values and our morals, um, and then kind of have to think about our safety and putting those on the back burner. And the funny thing is they call this freedom. They call this freedom. I mean, if that's not autocratic Russian bullcrap, I don't know what is. But you know what, Jamal? I think, you know, it's a great it's great that we're sitting here and we're talking about this, but I think there's so many people out there that can put into this conversation. So if you're out there and you're listening and you have something to say, call 860-218-2173. Wow, I got to get a check to her. My <laughs> question is this. <laughs> Does Ron DeSantis really think that the whole country... That this is what the whole country wants, book banning. Hasn't this guy read Fahrenheit 451? Ironically, Good point. ironically mm-hmm. there are many books on the subject of book banning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the stories never end well for those in favor of it. These, this real-life story won't end well for those in favor of book banning either. Are we going to ban Uncle Tom's Cabin? I wouldn't be surprised. There kill, was a time when they, they had... Um, it was a ban on Uncle Tom's uh, Cabin. They did have right. Huckleberry yeah, Finn. Was, Huckleberry right. Finn was and a problem. To with Kill a Mockingbird was banned, to kill, too. Uh, yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. which was voted one of the greatest books uh, of all time. Uh, Americans, yeah. By a person who didn't really like to write, which is really interesting. But on that note, it's time to take another commercial break. But don't worry. Jamal commercial breaks rarely include a commercial. What we do instead is play some really refreshing indie music. This time is going to be a song called Quest for Five Mics by Caesar Labor. You might have heard of them. After the break, we will do our last segment and talk about TikTok and then get Jimmy in with us to talk about a book. Hopefully, he'll talk about the Danish girl. Get back with us after the dope music. Question five mics. Go ahead, hit me.
Rap was played while we did handstands. Backspins and windmills, it never paid the bills. Strictly recreation, but after a duration of commercial elevation, lyrical degradation. Whack MCs are running all around the nations. Analyze the current techniques that they're facing. One sounds just like the next, and it's amazing. Just like grace, but you know it's all a waste. A useful time loop in studio space. They always follow trends and never take the bends. All the forks in the road, that's why the style is old. And somewhat repetitious, the flavor of my new style must simply be delicious. Cause it's all original, from this individual, not the same ritual. Glamorizing criminal, but decadently sexual, explicit material. Well, it's the quest for the five that keeps us all alive. The bass in the track that brings forth the rap. The quest for the five that keeps us all alive. The bass in the track that brings forth the rap. The quest for the five that keeps us all alive. The bass in the track that brings forth the rap. The quest for the five that keeps us all alive. The bass in the track that brings forth the rap. Now, my family's dysfunctional, but my rhyme's still punctual. My girl always says, look what all the to you, but smoking bones are secondary to microphones, too many MCs take shortcuts like Grace Jones, they be the first to cast stones at the next one, but they images shadow, they need to find some direction, everybody wants to make a hip-hop connection, but they reason for doing rap, they seem to be forgetting, this leads me to believe that there's room to breathe for the seeds of my labor, invading space like a space invader, not showing fear for the unjust traitor, cause we don't worry about that man, cause I see the visions in the sky like Batman, I dash upon the scene with the general theme of ripping mics at the scene. And it's not even like the team is mandatory. I want my quest to go on like the never ending story. Quest for the five that keeps us all alive. Face in the track that brings forth the rap. Quest for the five that keeps us all alive. Face in the track that brings forth the rap. Quest for the five that keeps us all alive. Face in the track that brings forth the rap. Quest for the five that keeps us all alive. Face in the track that brings forth the rap. Quest for the five that keeps us all alive. Face in the track that brings forth the rap. to hear about it now. Nearly half Is that it? Nearly half the country, 150 million Americans turned to TikTok for inspiration, information and entertainment. But now Montana is turning it off, banning the app and potentially slapping $10,000 a day fines on app stores making it available. The governor says with TikTok owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, the ban said that hastily, right? ByteDance. It is owned by another country that does not like us. Um, about 150 million people are on TikTok in America. That's roughly half the country. Um, many of them young people. And it's run 
by a company that's in China that's controlled by the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, who means us no good. And so all these things that they're talking about, um, the threats to, to, you know, spying and all that type of stuff, data going to China, that's all very real. Unfortunately, the Montana ban, the Montana ban will not stand because Montana is not the entity that can ban <laughs> airwaves, anything that goes on the airwaves on the internet. Right, FPC. That takes the federal government. That's FPC. actually, uh, since it comes from China... Um, the federal government is exclusively the only people who can deal with foreign um, affairs. Am I right, Dr. Mack? Well, to my understanding, yeah. You so know, the move by Montana was actually symbolic. It was symbolic. It was trying to get the government to do something, and I agree with it. It seems autocratic, but this is not Facebook we're talking about. Facebook is an American corporation. Anybody dies from Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg has to come in and speak. You know what I'm saying? ByteDance yeah. is totally, completely... Um, um, unresponsible to the American to American people, and and it should be uh, banned. Oh, I want to hear what Jimmy's has to say about this. All right, so uh, moving on. Many of you know that I've got a friend named Jimmy. I've known Jimmy for about thirty years. We've always been close. I've been close enough for me to tell you that Jimmy is a special kind of guy. Excuse me, I'm a little tired. The kind of guy who's down to earth, rustic and wise. He's been around a bit, and he's the type of guy who grows on you because he's easygoing and unique. Sit around Jimmy for a while, and he will tell you all of his theories about the universe for hours. I like his point of view. <laughs> Jimmy is that wise man who never left the top of a mountain once he got there. And you kind of wonder how he got there in the first place. <laughs> the most interesting thing about Jimmy is his relationship with books. Jimmy loves books. He loves football, too, but I digress. And if you want to hear something special... You'll listen to Jimmy talk about a book he's read because he's sure to go into a tangent that would be interesting as hell. Not that hell is interesting, Mr. Archbishop. It's just a figure of speech. So I thought I'd do us all a favor and add a new segment called Jimmy with Books. And if I don't find this intro music, he's going to um Yes, right. Me out you got to have his music. So uh, here we go. There you go. Do a little dance, Jimmy. There you go. Are you there? What's up, man? I, I'm here, brother. How are you? James! Yes, I'm here. There you go. Talk. <laughs> All right, we ready? James, talk. Okay, great. All right, so my book today is uh, The 1619 Project. And it's not the book by Hannah Nicole Jones, but it's the piece um, the supplement that came into the New York Times three years ago. I chose it because the subject matter of today is do the right thing. And the preface written by Hannah Nicole Jones is talking about how ever since the beginning of America, black Americans have been trying to get the country to do the right thing. It talks about there's a vignette in there. Uh, and the 1619 Project was this groundbreaking piece of work. I'm sure most of the audience knows about it. And it's caused a lot of uproar amongst people in the conservative part of the country ever since it came out. There's this little vignette that really got me. When Thomas Jefferson was in Philadelphia writing, we hold these truths to be self-evident that every man has the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. When he was writing that, standing next to him was a guy named Robert Hemming. Robert Hemings was his personal slave that had come up from Virginia with him to tend to his comforts, to make sure he was comfortable while he was in Philadelphia meeting with the Continental Congress. 
Robert Hemings was the son of Thomas Jefferson's father-in-law. His father-in-law had kids with his slaves, just like Thomas Jefferson had kids with his slaves. And Robert Hemings was one of the kids that came out of uh, uh, a union between his father-in-law and one of his father-in-law's slaves. So all the way back to the charter of America's original work, which was, you know, life, pursuit of happiness, liberty, justice for all, all men are created equal, all that, it's been wrong because the country never saw all of the people in the same way. So it struck me when I was reading that because my wife found it. We were cleaning up the house and my wife found it. We had gotten it a long time ago and I hadn't seen it for a while. And it struck me that doing the right thing means knowing what the right thing is to begin with. And America up until this day is still trying to figure out what the right thing is to do in terms of treating all people equally, you know? So let me um, jump on that and just say that that reminds me of Amanda Gorman's poem that was, uh, that was banned, that we just played, we played a clip of it. And in that clip, she said something that I think is very poignant. She said, America is not broken, it's unfinished. And that's, right. a, that's an important right. uh, um, distinction. Right, and, and and for us as a people, when we we have to remember now from in my day, if I may say that, we moved from America, you know, uh, being um, what, was, what does it say? America is uh, a union of people brought together. I, I forgot the saying, uh, but we've become more diverse over the years, and it's it's been seen as something that's that's still being finished, as opposed to something that's broken, because we got to remember. When the Constitution was written, we weren't created equal then, right? Apparent, according to the Constitution. Yeah, but the compromise and what people don't really want to talk about was that it was only supposed to last for 20 years. There were, slavery was only supposed to last for 20 years, according to the Constitution, and, and that's what got everybody to sign it. That's interesting. Oh, the Constitution was largely uh, a, a cooperation, right? Right. And that's why there's, like, guns in there, militias and stuff, because they want to still be able to control their black people. I mean, they had to write... But the systems are broken. The systems that we have in place are broken. Um, I understand that there's still work that needs to be done, but the way that they are set up, they're set up so that individuals who are not cis, het, white um, men don't have the ability to prosper. Um, so the way that systems are put in place, they're put in place to keep people where they are and not allow them to uh, progress. Let me just say really quickly, we got like four or five minutes left. So Dr. Mack was actually... There, I had right, to actually right, right, I was be there. escorted to school. We still have people alive <laughs> yeah, today yeah, I was that had to, to be school. escorted yeah. to school yeah. because white people decided that right. they didn't want to go to school with other people unlike them. Right. And even though the law said something different, they stood outside the school to try to stop Dr. Matt, who yeah. sits here right in front of us, right. from going to school and getting the, the, uh, right. becoming a dentist as he is today. Right. Jimmy, um, hopefully you're still there. I want to get. I want you to give some contact information before we have to let you go. James Mwangi, J A M E S M U W O N G E dot fitness. Fitness is my claim to fame. Fitness is my thing. I can work on Zoom, online, as well as physically in person because I'm here in the Washington, D.C. area. Part of doing the right thing is taking care of your body, taking care of your health. And uh, if you are so inclined, get in touch with me. Thank you very much, Jimmy. I'll be talking to you on the phone. See you in two weeks. 
Uh, yes, Mrs. Mayweather Banks, I cannot let you get off this air without giving your contact information for the people who need your services. And what services are they? Okay, I, my name is Nicole Mayweather Banks. I am a licensed clinical social worker for an organization called Changing Faces. The website is changingfacesllc.org. No, changing I provide clinical services to trans and non-binary individuals who are looking for support. I'm able to provide uh, letters of support for gender-affirming surgery. Um, I'm also a trainer. I have a training that um, teaches individuals about the basis, the basics um, in regards to trans support. So if you're any allies out there that are interested in taking a training, you can also go to the website, Changing Faces LLC. And this is a fantastic woman. Oh, she wouldn't be on the show with us. Uh, I want to point out something really quick. So we're coming up on Pride Month. So oh, that's right. As of June first, you will start seeing a lot of businesses put in the corner yes. um, of their commercials, the, the the flag, the Pride flag. But I want everybody to remember that Pride did not start as a, pri a, a celebration or a party, right? Pride started as a, a protest um, at, during the Stonewall riots. So I want us to remember the basis of how. Pride started and continue that fight um, because it's not just the the fun aspect of it. And when we say fight, what we really mean is 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 let's be normal here. Let's treat people like people. That's not expecting too much to treat people like humans. You know what I'm saying? To to expect humans have the same rights that you do. You know, person wants to wear a dress. Person wants to wear a pair of pants. What does it have to do with you? You know what I'm saying? Is yeah. the question. Yeah. You don't want to buy something, don't buy it. You know, you don't have to throw it on the floor. You don't have to attack people. And I'm not, I know I'm not talking to my listeners because none of my listeners do that. Um, let me also say that you can find me and Dr. Mack at the closest bar, most likely. <laughs> if you want to talk <laughs> us up, talk us up. Yeah, he's buying. But I got to tell you, I love our listeners, all 22 of them, perhaps 23 now. My friends, without the listener, we would have nobody to talk to. And that real, would be sad. Real, real, real quick, Jamal. Uh, East Granby just closed all of its uh, all of its schools because one student... Went home with drugs. They, so they closed every school to investigate how did that happen. See, if that, if that were the policy in New York, we would have never went to school. <laughs> I hear you. I'm like, I'm going to drugs today, y'all. We're going to school now. All right, close, I would have brought, brought drugs right. just to not go to school. Right, right. right. There you go. And that would have <laughs> Hey, I'm like, hey, God, we don't hey, there, guys. What's hey, up? Hey, hell, we're pulling the fire extinguisher, right? right? <laughs> 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 they <laughs> All right, y'all. You can see we've probably been smoking today. Anyway. My friends, without the listener, we wouldn't have anyone to talk to, and that would be sad indeed. So please take care of yourself and try to take care of someone else, too. See you in two weeks, people. Thank you. All right. Jamal, Jamal, this is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal, Jamal, Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show.